0: Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, who are the top free traders in Congress. Um, Senator Gregg has joined us today, and we're very appreciative of that. Uh, unfortunately, he has a very, very tight timeline, so I'm just going to do a, a very quick introduction, and we'll, we'll get right into it. Uh, Senator Gregg actually probably needs only a very brief introduction because I think he's very, very well known here on Capitol Hill. Uh, he's currently the ranking member of Senate Budget Committee. He's also the ranking member of a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee. Uh, He was previously uh, chairman of the Senate Health Committee, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions uh, Committee, and uh, he is a leader on a number of issues, certainly the the budget, entitlement reform, and today's topic, free trade. That'll turn things over to Senator Gregg.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate Cato doing this. I I, I obviously very much enjoy the work of Cato on a lot of issues uh, where you're leading relative to ideas and also maintaining an approach uh, that is market-oriented and uh, hopefully involves less government in the day-to-day lives of Americans. Uh, The issue of free trade is obviously a huge issue for us as a nation. And it uh, has a cultural strength to it because uh, we basically have always been a trader nation especially in New England, we are familiar with that history because it was uh, New England ships that uh, opened up the Chinese and Japanese markets back in the 18th century, Uh, and that has been built on over the years. Uh, Much of what has been the strength of the free trade protocols was ironically developed in New Hampshire uh, at the Bretton Woods Conference in the post-World War II period. And we as a region especially benefit dramatically from an open free markets around the world because our greatest strength as a region is intellectual capacity that adds value to product and that of course is the great strength of our nation. Uh, those who oppose trade or who desire the fair trade who seek the fair trade label, which is basically a euphemism for trying to restrict trade uh, in, this, in the discussions of the nomenclature of today's politics, uh, basically don't have a lot of confidence in America. They don't believe we can compete internationally. Uh, they believe that our better days are behind us and that our pa- capacity to grow and prosper as a nation that trades around the world uh, has to be limited. Uh, well, I think history has proven that America is a resilient nation, and that we are perfectly capable of competing anywhere in the world with products that we produce here in this country, and, but that we also are a nation that changes as we develop better and more sophisticated products uh, and move from products which have high labor and to products which have high intellectual input. Uh, the, the need for free trade is today as great as it's ever been, for us as a nation to prosper. I was with a group yesterday of folks who were in the semiconductor industry, one of our strongest industries, in a place where we are extraordinarily competitive internationally with 50% of semiconductor products in the world being built here in the United States, made here in the United States. And they made the point which I thought was, was pretty obvious, but which most people don't note, which is that they don't even need to be in the United States in order to be prosperous. Because 95% of the people in this world aren't here. Uh, and so if you want to be prosperous, uh, you've got to sell to the people of the world, and that's where the, that's where the business is. Uh, and so as a very practical matter, uh, having that market of 95% of the world is important to us as a nation. Well, how do we get that market? We get it by taking an approach of free trade. I would take one simple example. Colombia. We've been trying to get a free trade agreement with Colombia for quite a while. It's totally irrational that that free trade agreement isn't supported by everybody in Congress. Why? Because right now, Colombian goods, for the most part, come into this country without any trade barriers. But American goods going into Colombia are subject to fairly significant trade barriers, especially in our areas like heavy equipment, Caterpillar, for example. What's the sense in that? I mean, obviously, it's to our advantage to have have the Colombian markets open to us. But in the name of, quote, fair trade, and because of the influence of major labor in this country, uh, we have been unable to pass the Colombian free trade agreement. It's a nonsensical situation. So from my perspective, free trade is an obvious winner for us. Uh, we are always going to be able to produce products which are more competitive than the rest of the world as long as we maintain our commitment to a culture of entrepreneurship and value-added intellectual capability. Uh, And we should be able to do that as long as we don't get an overly intrusive national government. And so as a very practical matter, the advantage which we have as a nation will only grow if we have markets which we can sell our goods to. Uh, and that involves the necessity of opening those markets to American goods. So I'm a unapologetic supporter of making sure that we have as many open markets as we can around the world and that we compete everywhere we can in the world. And I thank Cato for being willing to carry this message aggressively. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that uh, it appears I actually stand by what I say, by having a score that puts me in the at 100% or something like that. Thank you very much. I'd be happy to take any questions anybody has. Unfortunately, we've got a vote coming up.
2: Is there a, on, on Buy American, is there a movement in Congress uh, to
1: to try to fight that? Have you been approached by anyone? I haven't been approached by anyone on that issue. My sense is that this administration is starting to adjust its position on trade to recognize the fact that that now that they're president, they're not running for president and that the constituencies which they were speaking to when they ran for president are different than their responsibilities as president. And so I think with time, and it's not going to be immediate because it is a major adjustment in policy or at least a nuance of policy as Panama would be, uh, that we will see uh, some of these free trade agreements start to move. Uh, Panama would be, a, would be an obvious choice. Uh, I even think Colombia at some point. Uh, so my sense is that if you listen to the language of this administration, are optimistic. They're, they're, there's some optimism there for those of us who believe that we should not have a restricted trade policy and we should not... Uh, we should not pursue the jingoism of the campaign into the policy of, of, of the presidency. And, uh, but, it, but you can't expect that shift to occur dramatically. I think it's going to occur subtly, and it has occurred subtly if you listen to the language. And obviously, if you looked at the players that are now in the senior positions that deal with trade, most of them have very strong backgrounds that are positive in this area. So I'm hopeful I'm hopeful we'll see some free trade agreements. Maybe not this year, but as we move into next year, of course, we got fast-track questions. But uh, as we move forward... Well, because uh, there's the practical politics of doing these. I mean, we did the big ones, which were Canada and Mexico, and uh, now we're getting pushback in both those areas. Uh, so I think you got to realize the, the real-world politics, which is that you do the ones that you can got a likelihood of getting done. I mean, a free trade agreement with some of the truly large economies of the world might be very difficult, if not impossible, to accomplish. Anybody else got any thoughts or questions? Well, thank you. Appreciate the chance to be here.
0: Thank you, you. you, Senator Gray, for those comments. Um, Our next speaker today is is Dan Griswold. Dan is the director of the Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. And during his 12 years at Cato, he's published numerous studies, uh, op-eds, and uh, other resources that are all available at Cato's website, cato.org, as well as the trade-specific website, uh, freetrade.org. Dan is also the author of a forthcoming book, Mad About Trade. Uh, I'm sure you're excited to read it. Unfortunately, it's not going to come out for a couple months, but we do have a couple of advanced copies, and when it does come out in early November, we'll be sure to get plenty of copies to Capitol Hill. Uh, Dan holds a uh, bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin in Journalism, and a Diploma in Economics and Master's Degree in Politics from the London School of Economics. With that, I'll turn things over to Dan.
2: Thank you, Brandon, and thank you, everybody, for coming out today. Uh, it's an honor to, to share the program with Senator Gregg. You know, I have to say I was kind of glad when he turned down the Secretary of Commerce position. When you listen to him and look at, a, at his pro-trade voting record, he was obviously uh, grossly overqualified to be Secretary of Commerce. Uh, I think he's doing a great job uh, where he is. <clears throat> well, thank you for coming today to find out who the real free traders are in Congress. Before I start naming names, let me just briefly summarize the case for free trade and then explain why this Cato uh, rating system, free trade, free markets, is unique and and valuable. <clears throat> um, got a slideshow here. Let me make sure I get this right. Yes. Uh, the case for free trade begins with the individual. Uh, eliminating barriers to trade enhances my freedom and your freedom as a consumer to go out in the marketplace and buy those goods and services you want from whoever you want. Americans ought to be free to buy and sell and invest in the global economy without having to deal with laws that, let's be frank, are prejudice against who we do business with based on their uh, location. Nor should our tax dollars be used to subsidize the commercial activities of others. Uh, Free trade benefits consumers through lower prices, better quality, more choices uh, when we go to the store. And this is especially important to families on low and middle incomes in the United States. Those are the families that spend the highest share of their income on food, shoes, clothing, the kind of staple items Uh, that are traded on international markets. High trade barriers are a regressive tax on low- and middle-income American families. Free trade benefits U.S. producers through exports. We all get that. Uh, But also, let's not forget that U.S. businesses are the number one importers in the United States. They're out in global markets buying raw materials, capital machinery, uh, inputs. If we have a weak dollar, they pay more for their inputs and they're less competitive in global markets. Foreign investment in the United States creates good paying jobs uh, in many states uh, and those funds coming in also give us lower interest rates on our home mortgages and when businesses borrow. For our economy as a whole, free trade promotes more vigorous competition. Competition leads not only to lower prices but innovation uh, and more efficient use of resources study after study shows that nations that are open to trade grow faster and achieve higher incomes than those that are relatively closed. And let me just uh, shamelessly promote our Cato book coming out uh, in the fall. I think October you'll actually be able to buy uh, issues at fine bookstores, uh, copies at fine bookstores uh, everywhere. But I have written this book not for other trade experts, uh, but for constituents out in your states uh, and, and districts, people who are listening to what Lou Dobbs and Pat Buchanan are saying, and wondering if that's the truth. This is a comprehensive and spirited response uh, to the populace who are criticizing uh, trade. <clears throat> the purpose of our study of congressional trade votes and our newly updated website is to promote a deeper understanding of the meaning of free trade and its benefits. Uh, Beginning with the first free trade, free market study uh, 10 years ago, we've attempted to redefine free trade upward and invite members of Congress who value uh, freedom, individual freedom and a free market, to measure their votes uh, by that higher standard. Free trade is not just about eliminating trade barriers, it's about eliminating trade subsidies as well, which also distort prices and markets. By subsidies, I'm talking about Uh, agricultural subsidies and price supports, uh, export promotion and marketing promotion subsidies, uh, doling out anti-dumping duties to those companies that bring uh, the anti-dumping measures, all the way up to IMF bailouts of governments. All these things distort uh, global markets just as trade barriers do. Like trade barriers, trade subsidies uh, distort market signals. They cause resources to be used in less efficient ways. They basically substitute the judgment of politicians for millions of Americans out there trying to make the best choices they can uh, every day in the market. So our view is true supporters of free trade oppose not just trade barriers, but trade subsidies uh, as well. So instead of a simple uh, (coughs) one-dimensional scale of protectionists at one end and free traders at the other, if you have this uh, approach looking at both trade barriers and trade subsidies, you can create a two-dimensional matrix, which gives you a more, I think, more accurate, uh, subtle way of measuring. A real free trader is a member who consistently opposes trade barriers and trade subsidies. And you see there on the horizontal, lower horizontal axis, we have uh, how members approach trade barrier votes have to do with our freedom to trade. Uh, Along the uh, vertical axis on the left, you have how they vote depending on uh, trade subsidies. And a free trader is somebody who opposes both trade barriers and trade subsidies. And, of course, I've generally defined consistently, who consistently opposes them as voting two-thirds of the time or more for or against uh, trade barriers or subsidies. <clears throat> you can think of free traders as people who don't care if our money flows across international borders as long as it's voluntary. That's the true uh, test. A member who opposes trade barriers but has a weakness for subsidies, we call an internationalist. Now, Internationalists love trade so much they want to subsidize it. Uh, and we think that's a problem. Export-import bank, all that, they'll, they'll hop on board. Uh, and and subsidize it. Now, a member who favors trade barriers but opposes subsidies, we call an isolationist. They they want our dollars to stay home no matter what. They don't want it flowing overseas in subsidies. They don't want it flowing overseas in uh, trade. And a member who votes consistently in favor of both trade barriers and subsidies, we call an interventionist. they don't mind our dollars flowing overseas as long as we don't get anything really valuable in return, like a car or T-shirts or a ton of steel. Export-import bank, uh, IMF, give them billions, uh, but if we're spending it on stuff that's really useful to our, our families and our businesses, uh, they're, they're concerned about it. Well, if we apply this criterion to the 110th Congress, we find that few members meet this higher standard uh, for free trade. In the previous Congress, Uh, House members cast eight major votes on trade barriers and six on trade subsidies. I think your handout has a list. You can see it on the website. Senators cast four major votes on barriers and three on subsidies. Uh, The subjects addressed by those votes include uh, Mexican trucks, uh, the visa waiver program, temporary worker visas, the Andean Trade Preferences Act, uh, expanded farm exports to Cuba, uh, ending the sugar program approving the Peru Free Trade Agreement and suspending the Colombia Free Trade Agreement. Let me, let me just pause here to say a word about Colombia. I was in Medellin, Colombia in February, speaking to the uh, AFIT uh, Universidad down there. And uh, the murder rate in Medellin is almost exactly the same as the murder rate in Washington, D.C. Uh, almost to the tenth of a percentage point. Um, <clears throat> studies have shown that union members in Colombia are actually safer than non-union members from murder. So a trade unionist walking the streets of Washington, D.C. is in more danger, uh, arguably, than a trade unionist walking in Medellin, uh, Colombia. Subsidies votes included the 2008 Farm Bill and related amendments, loan deficiency payments, payment limits, cotton subsidies. And we included the bailout of General Motors uh, and Chrysler. Uh, Those are two companies engaged in a very internationally traded uh, sector, we think it's fundamentally unfair that they get billions in subsidies while Ford and Toyota and Nissan are making cars the old-fashioned way uh, in the market without uh, huge government uh, donations. Well, let's uh, let's get to the meat of our study. Looking at the 110th Congress, uh, what we found in the House is that uh, 15 members. Uh, voted consistently, two-thirds of the time or more, against trade barriers and against trade subsidies. This is actually pretty consistent. It tends to fluctuate between 15 and 25 uh, each Congress. Five voted as internationalists. Four voted as isolationists. And by far the biggest category, 69, voted as interventionists. That doesn't come anywhere near the 435 because most of them were somewhere in the mushy middle. They couldn't quite make up their minds uh, who, who they are. Uh, the average Democrat voted against trade barriers 41% of the time and subsidies 20%, which would put the party's center of gravity uh, about there. The average Republican voted against trade barriers 51% of the time and against subsidies 48 which puts the party's center there. Not a huge difference. Um, in the Senate, nine voted as free traders, including Senator Gregg, 24 as internationalists, two as isolationists, and 31 as interventionists. The typical Democrat voted against trade barriers in the Senate 26% of the time and against subsidies a mere 5% of the time, putting the, the party there. The Democratic Party uh, as a whole, the caucus, is uh, in the interventionist uh, uh, block. The typical Republican voted against trade barriers 71% of the time and against subsidies 25 putting the party there. A typical Republican is an, is an internationalist uh, in the Senate. Well, now we can start naming names. And again, this is all available on the website, which I'll, I'll show in a minute. Uh, uh, for the record, the free traders in the House in the previous Congress were, uh, and there are the members, let me just briefly uh, talk about them. Jeff Flake is a four-term Republican from Arizona or was in the 110th Congress, who opposed trade barriers and trade subsidies every vote, he had the opportunity to. In fact, he has by far and away the most consistent voting record. He, in our rating system, he is the, the Tiger Woods, the uh, Kobe Bryant, and the Albert Poolhols of uh, free trade, free, free markets. Uh, rejecting, rejecting barriers and subsidies on every vote but two were Judy Biggert, John Campbell, Joseph Pitts, Jim Sensenbrenner, Christopher Shays, and Tom Tancredo. Uh, other free traders were Eric Cantor, Mike Castle, Jim Cooper, Vernon Ellers, Daryl Issa, uh, Daniel Lundgren, Mike Pence, and Adam Smith. Uh, th- that is the 15 members. Uh, two of them were Democrats, which I've highlighted in italics there, Adam Smith and uh, Jim Cooper. In the Senate, the most consistent free traders were our, man, uh, uh, our senator of the hour, Judd Gregg, as well as Robert Bennett, Jim DeMint, Chuck Hagel and Richard Lugar all of them voted against trade barriers and trade subsidies every opportunity they had uh, in the 110th Congress. Also among the free traders were Pete Domenici, John Kyle, Lisa Murkowski and John Sununu. Uh, John McCain is pretty consistently on that list but he seemed to, he seemed preoccupied in the last Congress so he had I don't think he cast any any votes so he wasn't on the system. But as you can see Uh, You can see who were the most consistent in the other categories by going to our website or uh, looking at the handout uh, that you have. Now, uh, up until 2005, we traditionally published this in written form as a biannual study. Uh, But last year we decided to go uh, interactive and online. Uh, One, we thought it would uh, save some trees, being environmentally conscious uh, as we are at Cato. Uh, But it would be more fun because it could be updated in real time and you could search uh, for different members, their lifetime record, uh, and fairly up to date. Uh, And now here's where we're going to transition to... Let me see if I can get this right. without uh, breaking our equipment and hurting myself. Uh, But we can go... uh, and go online here. Bingo. Uh, this is what you'd find if you'd visited the if you would visit the Center for Trade Policy Studies site. site. And I'm just going to give you a quick uh, overview of what this can do. This is a very powerful tool. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on it since we introduced it last year. Uh, and I urge you to use it whenever you you can. You go to Trade Vote Records. <clears throat> Hopefully, it will load. Soon. There we go. And what you see is there are tabs for introduction and methodology, which I briefly covered, and then a tab for every uh, previous Congress. Uh, And so this allows you to uh, search uh, for particular votes. It allows you to, let me see, I think I've covered up a sheet. It allows you to look at uh, how particular Congresses uh, voted. Uh, and it also, and what's the most popular, I think, is to look up individual members. So if you go down here, and let's, uh, let's look up Senator Gregg. So you can, and we'll, we'll look at his entire career first. Let me just double, uh, go over to submit. There he is. Uh, shows that in his career, he's voted against trade barriers 81% of the time and against subsidies 86% of the time. Um, maybe I've just been in Washington too long, but that's good enough for me. Uh, <clears throat> and you see, it puts him uh, squarely in the free trader uh, camp. Uh, if you, uh, you want to find out who the free traders were in a particular Congress, like the 110th Congress, And there you see, bam, uh, perfect. Uh, let's let's look at some members that are on the kind of the other end of the spectrum. Um, let's let's take the uh, junior senator from Ohio, Sherrod Brown, who's made something of a career uh, criticizing trade, and he also has a book out, which I read in preparation to writing my book. There, uh, there there he is he hasn't been in the Senate long I think just this term but there you see he's down at the polar uh, opposite there's another there's a house member uh, let's see Phil let's let's do the house let's look up Phil Phil Hare who I know is a uh, <laughs> Critic of trade. Let's look at his career. There, squarely in the interventionist camp. <clears throat> so you can do this for every member of Congress who's in Congress now, or who has basically been in Congress, even if it's one term. Uh, since uh, we we started rating every major vote in uh, starting in nineteen ninety seven. but we've also gone back and included the Uruguay Round Agreements Act, the uh, Freedom to Farm Bill of 1996, NAFTA. So you can look at the career record of any member. There is nothing uh, partisan or political about this. Somebody from the AFL, CIO, and public citizen could use this to find the good guys and the bad guys according to their lights. Uh, This is really an educational tool uh, to make members and their constituents more aware of how Congress and individuals have voted on trade. We also think this is a tool of transparency and accountability. This does not allow members to say, I'm a free trader, but... And then you look at their record and you see they're consistently voting against uh, our our freedom to trade. And in conclusion, before uh, we get to questions, let me just say... <clears throat> If you're looking through the site and you see a problem, a misspelling, a vote, sometimes it can creep in. I'm confident uh, that what we have here is accurate, but when you look, we have over 40,000 uh, individual data points uh, in here. We've done everything we can uh, to make it accurate, but please let us know if you see anything amiss or any suggestions about it being user friend- more user-friendly. Uh, finally, I'd like to thank Lee Laszlo of our web staff, Who built the site and has made it work, and uh, a a former research intern, Corey Sheehan, who did a lot of the uh, updating of the recent data. So I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions you have about our uh, free markets, free trade, free markets web feature.